welcome to episode we're forty four, right? Episode forty four. Damn, that's a of bunch. Of you mean the tavern? What's that? That's a bunch. That is a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. That's forty four. Who? I honestly don't know who gave the recap last time. Uh, Tins did. Yeah, because I had did. not yeah. actually. If we are truly following episode. a rotation, uh, Kirk du- Kirk Dubay is up. Yeah, Tug's up. All right, what happened, Tug? Um, Durf scouted some shit with his abilities. We went to the waterfall. There was like a the plant from the Little Shop of Horrors came out of water. <laughs> Fuck me up. I died like immediately. Um, and then a Durf like burned away their buttholes or something with like blight. <laughs> He's like, right. yeah, he, you just he just kept casting blight, but was like only on their buttholes. And I don't know why he did it that way, but that's he he you, you killed him. So <laughs> yep. that was great. That is was, exactly what happened. It was like a trillion damage. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then we met Kurt. Um, who is it? A huge turtle or snail? Excuse me. <laughs> no, no, no. He was a very small goblin. Right, Glo- but, but the most important part was his his traveling caravan thing. Yes, very that good. was yeah. a snail. If uh, I'm that, not mistaken, that was secondary. How is his name spelled? Did we K U R T? Oh, so he's a with a K. He's a with a K. Just a relative. C U R. It could be C U R T. No, it's with a K. Matter. Patreon supporter is K U R T. Exactly. By the way, I met a Carla the other day with a K. With a K. Oh yeah. What was his last name? We're everywhere. Carlo. What was what was his last oh. name? Carlo. <laughs> I said Carlo. Okay. Uh, all right. Very uh, so, good. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty, pretty much, much the whole the whole episode was a was a battle. Yeah, for the most we battled part. a lot. So. You guys fought this giant plant monster that came out of the river. Um, you also, you know, after like midway through that battle, two more kind of tree like creatures came down, and that's what really fucked you up, Tug. Um, and then, you know, Tess kind of saved your asses with some fireball action and Durf's blight really helped. And you guys eventually came victorious and saw Kurt. Kurt was kind of like watching on. He had just arrived at the scene and he said he would take you to the waterfall. Now, before that, before you got to that spot, um, Durf, yeah, he, he uses abilities. He climbed up the tree in spidey form to see these moonbeams coming down, kind of surrounding the forest, like spotlights searching and and moving around and he got a little uh got a little action a little burn action as he tried to flee to come uh back down to the ground so that's what happened i saved it though. and you you what i saved it though i only got s- barely singed you did with a natural 20 that's pretty sweet and we ended the scene with you guys kind of walking back with Kurt. Kurt was this little goblin, long floppy hat, very polite. Um, you did an inside check on him at one point and thought that he was pretty, uh, uh, just a genuine old goblinoid. Um, and the, the scene ended with you guys walking back to his snail. And you guys climb up onto Kurt's snail home and you get settled in for the journey north to the waterfall like he said he would take you. Um, surrounding the shell on this, this large kind of snail caravan on all sides is a wooden decking that's kind of nailed into the shell that, so you could travel around and view the forest from all sides. If you wanted to, um, in the back of the shell is this small round door about the height of tug that leads inside. And remember I said there were like windows with bright light coming out from inside some firelight. It looks like a very cozy place inside. You see, you know, through the windows, you see, uh, a single 
messy room with a straw bed on one side, a wooden table bolted to the floor, and you see shelves of odds and ends that adorn the walls, their components strapped tightly to the wall with thick rope. And as you guys climb on, kind of, you know, search out the place and and look around, you can tell why they were so tightly strapped to the rope, because um, near the front, where this wide saddle is, Kurt sits comfortably and takes the reins and he whips them forward and he shouts, let's go, Bessie. And with a jolt, this giant snail wrenches its body and begins moving forward. You gotta like hang on for dear life onto this decking. The sheer size of the animal allows the travel to move at a decent pace, but it does take a while before you find your footing enough to become comfortable with the constant ebbs and flows of the snail's movement and there you are you've maybe been traveling just for a few minutes you're on this thing kurt uh kind of cracks his knuckles and leaves the saddle as bessie travels forward and what do you want to do we're just chilling we're, we're just snail. along for the ride right yeah yeah just along for the ride you well just we, sit I mean, we were gonna take a long rest right yeah i'd say like you get some rest yeah i mean d- during this journey we'll say it's gonna take a while you can you are resting currently, and I think actually you threw down a healing totem, like at the end of that battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every we'll I, everybody healed everybody. up. Everybody healed up from the healing spirit. Um, it was yeah. more whether I get my spell slots back. <laughs> oh right, um, no, actually not currently. So you've oh. only been traveling for a few minutes. Like you, not current, you are no, preparing not like this for second, a, but like on yes, this no. trip. I guess I didn't well, fill mine back in yet, so it doesn't. We'll just we'll see how it goes. But okay. currently, you are not long rested. Okay, let's not get into fight, guys. Right. <laughs> so are we moving at snail speeds? Um, it's a large snail, so if you think, you know, think of how fast a like a small snail moves <laughs> and then just make that bigger. <laughs> right. And, you know, speed is relative to I don't know, actually no, I'm not a physics person, but I I figure that speed is relative to the size of a thing. If you're traveling in a ant-sized bus as opposed to a normal-sized bus, you're probably going faster. That's at the same revolutions per second? Sh- sure, sure. I mean, <laughs> that's to- totally fair. Totally fair. So you're moving at some miles per hour. I say, Kurt, how many uh, MPHs do we get out of this bad boy? What's, uh, what's the slug power, snail power of this? <laughs> MPH, oh, oh, me and Bessie have been around for a long time. She's uh, she's quite the mover. Uh, I don't know. How many snail powers? Is that uh I guess one, because it's one fucking snail. I'm Actually, an idiot. Actually, though, I'm an you idiot. know, this is true. Um, I can't remember if it's 15 or 25. A horse has 15 or 25 horsepower. Doesn't make any sense. It has one horsepower. No, that's wrong. I'm telling you. <laughs> Look at how many horsepower does a horse have? Are you fourteen point nine horsepower? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I re- I retract me pretending to be an idiot. Snail question is back on the table. <laughs> uh, MPHs. What's that stand for? Um, miles per hour. Oh, right. Uh, we could probably let's see. A one, two, seven. He does some counting on his fingers. He says, "I'd say we'll reach the waterfall uh, in about a day and a half." Doesn't really answer my question, but I appreciate you. We'll convert that to MPHs. How far away are say. we? Yeah, what's the distance? How many miles away is the... Let's see. A, uh, let's see. 24, 48 divided, 24, 12. That's 36 hours, miles. Ah, uh, about 100 miles. What's that? What were we moving at? Uh, about 2... 2.8. 2.8? 2. 2. 2. A snail pace. 2.7 2. 2. <laughs> repeating. Repeat, repeating, of course. A little bit slower than if you were to walk there, but (laughs) the important thing is we're safe. I know the right places to go, and you are not going to run into any more of those nasty little things. Okie dokie. 
And he uh, he uh, stretches and, and raises up from the saddle. And he says, come, come, come. Let's have a cup of tea. And he kind of walks past you and into his little snail house. Okay. I thought we were already in the snail house. Uh, you were kind of like walking around. Outside, like you were outside. I uh, uh, Carl's also, I believe, outside. Yeah. Everyone's outside. Everyone's Tess out. is outside. You guys oh, are trying I, to... I go up in the house. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna Everybody go in the house in. too. That's cool. Carl? Yeah, I crawl in on all fours, I guess. The, yeah, all the of door you is only dog height. Yep. <laughs> Except for Tug. Yeah, everybody kind of crawls in. Um Kurt obviously can go go right in and he he sits you guys down. He doesn't really have uh very comfortable stools. They're small, they're curt sized. But he sits you around the table and he goes over to this small kind of makeshift kitchen. And as you're in here, it feels it feels comfortable. It's it's calm. It's you get you actually you hear like the pots and pans and other things kind of rattling around as this snail moves slowly through the forest. Um, you notice a ton, a ton of odds and ends on the shelves um, all over the place, almost like he's hoarding things you're not sure what um and he you know puts the kettle on the stove and lights up a little fire and it whistles and he brings some cups of tea on and he sits sits down uh, near you and he says so so tell me where are you all from very odd to meet uh, four strangers out here in the woods all alone regular earth earth or whatever we're from what is that you, so the, you are not from the forest? Uh, nope. We're from uh, the other place. I don't know. I thought you knew about it. You knew about the Fey. We're from we're from the upside down. The upside. Well, down. we're from like the right side up. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> You're from the outside. Well, I mean, we're. I mean, the forest I is mean, outside. We're. It's not inside. It's not a building. Yeah, we're we're inside now. So, what brings you to the to the Fey? What brings you here to this world? Um, and how did you get here? Certain people jump down a well. Certain, uh, Tess kind of looks over at Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, Carl just kind of <clears throat> looks over at Tess. <laughs> For the listeners, what does that look? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and that, that, that look has some significance, I tell Let's you see, what. Carl's head is at a 45 degree angle, and his eyes are big, and he's just kind of like raising his eyebrows. That's what it looks like. And uh, Tess says, we are on in a very important mission. Our world is in danger, and we seek something. We seek uh, an item of great power. Do you Have you heard anything about it? Anything about some sort of item here that I, we're looking for a sash? and Kurt, it's in the shrine s- of the silver monkey. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so Kurt sips his tea and he says, "No, no magical powder powers uh, or, or powerful items that I've heard of per se." But you know, I'm on my way to uh, an unseely camp full of all sorts of fake creatures. Uh, I'm I'm actually selling a lot of this stuff, and he kind of points around to his stuff. I. I travel from from town to, from civilization to civilization to the many courts that are here in the Fey Forest, and I sell my wares. It's uh, it's the you know the way I connect with with people and make a living enough to buy supplies from town to town and and kind of live the live the life that I that I want to live. So you know, perhaps they know something more that I don't. What kind of wares? Uh. You're asking, okay, him directly. He says, oh, odds and ends, things that people need, cooking pots, pans, um, jewelry, things that people can barter for other things, just little knickknacks here and there that I picked up along the forest. Fun. Yeah, it's a living. All right. 
So tell me more of this uh, powerful item. Well, it's an item. It's power. I mean, I don't know how powerful it is. I mean, I don't want to get carried away. <laughs> what what would you what do you need it for? Um, save the world. The, the world it's in bad shape. Yeah? Uh, yeah, Kurt, you're you're asking a lot of questions, but uh, <laughs> I just I don't know you. I th- oh. I, th- I, th- I like you. It's really powerful. You say, oh, it's it's really powerful. You collect knickknacks. I mean, it's you could say it's a knickknack, but I don't want to. I don't want you to like. Oh no 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 no! Listen, I, I live a very simple life. Uh, I I didn't even catch your names, or or did I in the last episode? Um, I'm not sure. You definitely either did or didn't. That's for sure. We'll assume I know your names. Well, Durf, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I live a very simple life, Durf. I, I don't need any of this powerful item nonsense going around. I I like to stay out of that thing, that stuff. Okay. Well, anyway, it's, it's a... I mean, there's really not much to tell. It's a sash. It's very powerful, mm-hmm. and we need it to save the world. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. He kind of thinks for a moment. He thinks around. He's like, you know... I don't know anything of a of an item, but there have been strange things going on in the in the forest for uh, about a century or so. I don't know if perhaps they're tied to this sash you seek, but you've noticed the moon and the moonbeams, correct? Yeah. What? Tell me about that. What's the deal with all uh, that? Business? About a century ago, you know, the moon started growing in size, and the moonbeams they came down uh, just with a force and kind of killed a lot of a lot of the life down here that's why you've you know you ran into those creatures but they are few and far between here in the forest um no one really knows knows why and what's happening but we steer clear of the clearings and the rivers and anything where there's no canopy you'll notice that there's no civilization outside the canopy of this this part of the fey wild interesting what other weird stuff uh that's all i've heard of i i there's you know, as I travel from from town to town, from civilization to civilization, I I hear things. I hear I hear rumors. There's strange tales of of visions of ghostly figures that follow these moonbeams, and not many live to tell the tale. Uh, whole cities, they say, whole cities just appear from nowhere when when under the moonlight. What whole new cities appear? Yeah, like what's the just just for a moment as the beams pass over, like almost like a projection. Of of something else, and then they disappear. Of the right side up, maybe. Mm, perhaps, perhaps your world. It's the, some of the things are very unfamiliar to us, but this doesn't happen everywhere. It's just in this one part of the Feywild. There are many other places in this in this part of the world that that are beautiful and, and a wonder to see. I've been to them all, as far as I know. Neat. Um. Knowing how stories develop within our world, or how our personal stories develop, we probably need to get into the fucking Shadow Temple or whatever, and that's where the thing is, and so we're going to need some help with that. Is that, that's why you seek the waterfall? Is that what's at the waterfall? I've never been that far deep in the forest. I figured I'd take you there because it's, it's just past the unseelie camp that I seek. I thought you just said you've seen it all. Uh, oh, ah, ha, 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 ha. he kind of laughs and nervously takes a cup of his tea and he says, ah, it's a uh, uh, figure cool. of speech. <laughs> it's, you know, once you get my age, you'll, you'll understand. Yeah. Right. Well, that's cool. Yeah, but- that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a, that's a bummer there, Kurt. 
It's pretty. Uh, so now we're on a giant moving snail that has the top speed of one fourth of our walking speed. <laughs> And we're headed somewhere that despite you telling us you knew the the safe path to go, you actually have no idea. So no, and no, no. and we're going to a, a camp full of what I keep hearing CD characters. <laughs> which is no, no, no. miserable. No. no, there are there are C Lee and there are Unseely. They're the two types of Fey that are in the Fey world. Well, there are many types, but they are the two main courts, the two main groups. Well, Okay, tell me what about them. The the unseely fae there, uh, th- I guess they would what they they are what you would call the CD crowd. You have good you have trolls, and you have you have oh no no no, but they are very welcoming. They're very very welcoming as long as you uh it, no funny business. They're very they're very a rambunctious fun group. They like to drink, they like to dance, they like to party. It's the seely fae I don't really get along with. They're they're too stuck up. They're the rich guys. Yeah, they're the the high elves in their towers. They tout around, chess out, thinking they are the better half of this world. So wait, so which one are we going to? Oh, the Unseelie camp. Good. (laughs) And he says, listen, I know we're moving slow, but trust me, trust me. This is the safest place you could be. And I want you all to roll a perception check. Can I never remember what my perception is? Uh, <laughs> dirty 20. Nice. 21. Okay. S- seven. Seven. All right. Um, so Carl and uh, and actually, let's see. Oh, no. Okay. Tess notices too. Carl, you're the only one who does not notice. The three of you, as you're in conversation, sipping your tea with Kurt as you guys travel along, um, Durf, Tug, and Tess all notice outside the window this in the distance a little further away but it's very apparent there is a thick thick white fog starting to kind of like creep in towards you all carl is just engrossed in his teacup it kurt kurt notices kurt um it's a good question <laughs> nope kurt does not notice at all hey uh to kurt uh, yeah. uh, amongst the spooky things that happen in your world, uh, I note one is occurring over there. Spooky? What are you? I, and, I'm pointing. I'm pointing. And he, uh, he, yeah. And he gets up off the chair and he stands on his stool and he looks out and he says, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, 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 we need to do something. We need to we need to move faster. Uh, uh, and he rushes outside of the shelf. Uh, Tug chases after him. Okay. Durf is like, what? What? <laughs> okay, so Tug's running after uh, Kurt. What are the rest of you doing? Carl Durf still engrossed in, in his Durf tea. starts to um, parse his brain for whether he has any spells that can make <laughs> a giant snail go faster. Oh, nice. Okay. So you're rushing out there too then? Well, I mean, I'm thinking. I'm reading a book is what's happening. The IRL. <laughs> in, in real life. <laughs> well, I guess I walk outside. All right. To Carl, you're still in there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying right. my Tess, tea. Yeah, Tess sees everybody rush out, and she rushes to the window looking out there. And she says, Carl, Carl, what do we do? What do we do? What is that? 
Hey, what what's happening, Kurt? I actually have an idea, but I need to know what's happening. Okay, Kurt is uh, not listening. He's rushing forward towards Bessie. He grabs the reins, and he whips down, whips down, whips down. He's like, go, Bessie, go! We gotta get out of here! And Bessie starts to churn and churn and churn. You get up to about five or six miles per hour. This thing is churning forward, churning forward. The whole shell is rocking back and forth as this thick fog rushes in. And, um, Durf, you run up and you say something to Kurt, and he says, this, this is, this is no good. I've heard of things. I've never actually seen it in real life, but this, this fog, it, it takes people away. It takes people away. Kurt, I'm increasingly thinking that you have not, in fact, seen it all, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you have seen little to none. <laughs> all right, Durf, I, and this Durf fog is just in, chasing uh, and chasing. In, in desperation, not knowing whether it's going to help or not, cast freedom of movement on Bessie. Okay, what does that do? Target's movement is unaffected by difficult terrain and spells and other magical effects can neither reduce its speed nor cause it to be paralyzed or restrained. Um, the target can also spend five feet of movement to automatically escape non-magical restraints. Um, okay. And finally, being underwater imposes no penalties on its movement or attacks. I love this. So basically what you're doing is you're removing the friction from underneath Bessie so she will jerk forward and move faster. Yeah, and if the fog is going to like grab her or something, it can't. Right. Okay. Um, in that case, uh, so what happens is you cast this spell and she's surrounded by this light real quick, this green light that goes underneath her, and she goes at a tremendous speed forward. Like, she just hit an oil slick, and I need all four of you to roll a strength saving throw. Strength save. Five for Tug. Okay. Fourteen. Fourteen? Okay. Twelve. Twelve. And Tess rolls a five. And Kurt is good. Okay, so Kurt holds onto the rain. So all of a sudden you guys get jerked backwards as Bessie goes forward at a lightning speed. Um, Kurt hangs onto the reins and his legs kind of flail backwards as he's he's thrown back. Tug, you hit the rail and the wood shatters and you fall off to the ground. Um, Durf, you are straight behind him, but you're able to hold onto the railings. Carl, you stay strong, You uh, but you watch Tess right next to you go flying back and slam against the wall and slump to the ground, and she screams out in pain. Um, and But Durf, you see Tug fall, and Bessie continues to move forward. Do um, I have a reaction or something? Is there something I can do for falling? Can I, like, I, can since I, I throw out fall? a thorn whip? Um, yeah, let's do that. Let's do this. Uh, so, Tug, you failed the saving throw, so I'm going to say... No, but since Durf passes, he can roll uh, roll a an attack roll on Tug with your Thorn Whip. Strength or Dex? It's normally a uh, melee spell attack, so I guess Wisdom. Yeah, you could just use your yep. Uh, or you could roll like a sleight of hand. Well, sleight of hand would be a ten, and the attack is an eight. So okay, I assume those aren't going unless I add. Do I add proficiency? Yeah. Oh, then twelve. 12 total? Well, 12 for the attack or um, 14 for sleight of hand, whatever you... Okay, so we'll split the difference, 13. Um, all right, that's pretty good. So you uh, you reach out and you grab Tug as Bessie continues forward. And Tug, you grab on and you are sucked back onto the railing and you guys are just holding on, holding on for dear life. But the fog is wrapping around Bessie now and coming up the front and it's starting to creep out and you start to see these white 
shifting hands come up from the fog and grab at your all's legs. And Carl and Tess, you guys are still inside. Do you want to do anything, Carl? Yeah, why don't we... Uh, let's just roll initiative. That might be easier here. Uh, 25 for Tug. Damn. 21 for Carl. 19. All right, Tug, you're up first. You are, you've just reached back onto um, the decking, but you see these white hands come and grab out at you. I Honestly, I think I want to um, hold my action. Okay. I'm going to hold my action. Okay, you just tell me when you want to jump back in. Yep. Carl. Uh, I'm going to go over and get Tess up on her feet and kind of motion her towards the door. Okay. That's fine. That could be an action. You're lifting her up. Yep. She kind of rubs her head, but she follows you. Uh, Durf, you're up. Kurt, you got any ideas? <laughs> Get inside! He yells from the front. Uh, Durf goes inside. Okay. Durf says, uh, hey, you- by the way, uh, these hands can't grab the snail because he has freedom of movement. Uh, so uh, we should go inside <laughs> the snail. And then he goes inside the snail. You are running inside away from these hands that are real close to you. Just making sure that's what you're doing. Uh, I mean, are they like opportunity attack close to me? Yeah. Well, fucking suck my ass. <laughs> you can still do it. Well, hold on. Let me see. They're up next. Anyway, just in case that just in and, case and, that helps. and they're all around? Yeah. So on, on both sides of me? Yes. So I'll cast Erupting Earth on the left. Okay. Um, it causes a 20-foot cube centered on a point to erupt. Um, so I'll, I'll aim that so that it kind of, the edge of the cube edges up against the snail but doesn't, like, touch us, obviously. Nice. Okay. Um, and right, nice. uh, each creature in that area must make a dexterity saving throw, if that's even a thing that's such creatures can do yeah so so here's what happens and that's kind of where tug is right now so you uh cast this spell and all of a sudden this earth just comes soaring up from the ground just this this mound of of earth this crumbling earth and the fog raises up and kind of dissipates from that end and the hands that were there are far too high to reach up and grab tug to where he is so he's safe for now um but it is their turn do they take damage uh, it's they don't take damage. It's it's kind of like uh, it, it's not a being. I'll say that it's not a being with hit points uh, that could take damage. Okay. Especially not from kind of like an earthly movement. But what you did was you disengaged Tug from his uh, his attackers. Okay. I'll say that. Okay. Um, and it is there. It's the this fog's turn now. I kind of rolled. Um, for the fog and after seeing this the fog looks like it, it kind of builds up around you Durf as you're still there and it grabs onto your legs it reaches out it grabs onto your legs I need you to make a strength save I, I'd like to step into my action here okay once once he does his save or whatever okay <laughs> two two okay Natural. so Durf you are this this you can feel the fog just wisp around your legs and you are drugged backwards and sucked into this pure whiteness and Tug watches you as you are sucked into this blanket of white and you disappear completely. So is he do I so I can I tell or not if he's off the snail? Is he off the snail? He, he's off the snail. He, he's gone. Um, um, R.I.P. Durf. It's been fun, guys. 
Okay, in my in my mind, this thematically makes sense, but Joe, you're gonna have to tell me otherwise. Yeah. Tug sees Durf get in, enveloped, takes steps back into the action, takes off running as he sees the the mist swirl around Durf. Durf gets yanked off the off the snail. Tug dives off the edge. As he dives off the edge, off of his Akuma bead, he plucks off uh, one of his level two spells, and he kind of like in a missile toward uh, the direction he believes uh, Durf to be ha- to have been yanked and he thinks he's falling. He takes this bead and he smashes it in his palms, kind of like hands in front, claps his hands together to shatter it, and shatter, pun intended, shatters the spell I use, which is a uh, very loud thunderous noise at a point uh, of my choice within range, so obviously I'm shooting, I'm, I'm using it in front of me, um, each creature within 10 foot radius of the sphere centered on that point must make a constitution saving throw um, 3d8 damage on a failed save half as much on a successful one creature of inorganic material gets disadvantage uh, so my hope is kind of like a thunderous boom that, that dissipates the mist to some way so I can see where Durf is going while hopefully derailing whatever it's doing okay. but that is that is my action I love that I love that disadvantage if it's inorganic I have no idea yeah I just rolled a 17 and a 1 so here's uh, <laughs> that's awesome it's fucking awesome so the scene is you dive forward you slap your hands together as you do and this bead smashes between your palms this expanding clear dome just surrounds you and kind of shakes and shakes and then explodes out and you hear this shriek of whatever was in this fog all around you as this clear sphere just expands and dissipates in these hands, the palms outstretch and fizzle away. And at all at once, everything is silent as you hit the ground and roll forward and you look around left to right, left to right. Everything is clear. Kurt stops the snail and you hear as it stops and you look around and Durf is gone. everyone this is joe your dungeon master thanks for listening to episode 44 some crazy stuff happening in this arc first thing i definitely want to mention is that uh, this arc's going to run a little bit differently i decided to try something new and right after we kind of recorded this little bit right before this mid-roll i told the guys that i wanted them to stop listening to the show we kind of record a couple weeks a week before an episode actually goes live so they are just as caught up with the show uh and the adventure as you all are and i told them stop listening to the next few episodes stay away from our discord or any kind of spoiler alerts from you guys the listeners uh, you guys and girls the listeners because I want them to kind of experience the next few episodes on their own as their characters without knowing what's going on 
with the other people. So um, in this next second half, you'll see that it's just me and Durf, just me and Jamal. We recorded totally separately from the other guys. And I told them, do not listen to the, the rest of the episode or anything that follows until I say. So what I need from you is to not reach out to them and tell them what's going on in the show. <laughs> I really want, I don't know if any other podcast has done this actual play podcast, but I want them uh, as if we were at the table and I took them in separate rooms uh, to kind of go over different different parts of the adventure separate from each other. So I hope it works out. Um, I think the end product from that, if, if that actually happens, is going to be better for you and better for them as players. Um, hope we have a lot of fun with it. Um, I also want to mention in this in this mid-roll, I have been reading a really cool book from one of our listeners who actually submitted it to me, and I want to just give it a shout out. It's called Intent and Intentions and All the Powers That Be by Thad Hawley. I've been reading it for a while now, but I've gone through a few chapters already, and it's very cool. If you like the if you like, if like a fantasy novel, kind of like a story about a, maybe a young kind of unusual hero. Um, I, I really recommend this. I mean, the descriptive text is excellent. The characters are unique and interesting. So far, it's really been an, an enjoyable read, a page turner. I've been having trouble putting it down. And I can't wait to finish it. Um, but if if you're interested in kind of a fantasy novels, if you've got some time, you're looking for a book to read, go check it out. It's only $6.99 on Amazon Kindle. Uh, it's a really easy read and really an, an excellent book so far, the, uh, the, you know, the part that I've gotten through. So go check it out. Intent. And intentions and all the powers that be by Thad Hawley. I will, uh, I'll report back in, uh, in the next couple episodes to tell you more about it. And as I go through and finish the book. So, um, check it out. Last but not least, I want to give a special, special shout out to our $15 or more patrons. These are people that donate to the show, support us as creators. It takes a lot of work to put this show together for you, um, and we're getting close to the end here. So I just want to thank everybody that supported us from the beginning and continues to support us, especially those that donate $15 or more. You've probably heard some of these names throughout the quest. Uh, here we go. David, Ashley, Cole, Andre K, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan. James J.C. Eklantz, Tarkin Davis, Sierra Clark, Jason Ford, Jonathan Zeman, Michael Kenitzer, GM Binder, Max Bender, Holly Roxana, Ice Blue 220, Strive for Honor, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, Crispy Bacon, Dr. Shit, Fun Crew, Catch Rester, and Wilma Fingerdoo. And that's it. <laughs> so thank you guys so much uh, for your donations to the show. Really, I mean, we really appreciate it. It's a small amount of money that we get a month. We put a lot towards the show, um, and it just helps us helps us grow and helps us, uh, you know, give you the best possible possible product with all the things we do, like hosting and hiring out for music and uh, art you've seen and all that stuff. So anyway, thank you so much for the show. We really, really appreciate it. Okay, I think that's it for me. Uh, enjoy the second half of this episode, and we will see you all in two weeks. Peace out. Right, Durf, you feel yourself get sucked in to this fog and you feel 
just pulled in every direction. Like someone's hooked you up to a machine and pulled your arms and pulled your legs. Um, it gets to a point where you feel like you just cannot hang on to a life force. And then you fall and you hit plain earth. Uh, and as you, as you kind of raise up from the ground and brush yourself off, uh, you feel like you're in a completely different part of the forest and your friends and the snail and Kurt and everyone are completely out of sight, nowhere to be found. Okay. What's around forest stuff still? Yeah, it's, it's more forest stuff, but the trees here are, are slightly more spread apart. Um, it's still kind of like this twilight, this, this nighttime, the ground around you is, is covered less in these thick twisted roots like before and more in like small patches of multicolored grass and small mushrooms and, and leafy bushes. And this is kind of creating a natural path forward that leads to a spot where the trees drop off into a sharp decline. Like, like a valley or a cliff. Yeah. As if you can't see past that right now, but uh, you've noticed that that's, that's, the direction that you're facing right now, that's what that's what's leading that way. I guess I will sort of cautiously... Do I see any threats? Uh, roll me a perception check. Twelve. Twelve? Uh, you don't... No, you don't see any threats. You don't see anything immediate that causes you any danger. You do hear, just very, very slightly, you hear um, the sound of, of beasts. Just very on the, on the edge of your senses, you, you hear the sound of life in that direction. In the same direction as the cliff? Yeah. I guess I will cautiously walk towards it. All right, so you creep you creep forward, and as you pass the threshold, you see down into this valley, and in this valley is a humongous clearing where the trees are gone. This huge patch of grass, this, this bountiful and overflowing field of this blue and white and green shortcut grass and above that field are hundreds of different fey creatures you see elk you see grizzly bears you see um you know small squirrels and chipmunks and deer and all sorts of any creature you can imagine that would live in the forest and even some that don't actually you see an octopus and you see a Quetzalcoatlus. And you notice as you're looking at these that these are your animals. These are, when you summon creatures, and you've heard of this, your mom and your dad have had taught you about this from, from a very small age, that the creatures that you're able to summon, you used to, much to your mom's dismay, be able to summon like mice and rats and things as a very small child. And as you grew older, you knew that, and you learned that the creatures that you summoned came from the Feywild. They came from this realm and they appeared in your natural world. Um, but this is where they lived. And you see them. You see every kind of creature that you have seen in your life uh, in this field. Interesting. And it's below me? Yes. Huh. Um, how, like how far below me? Like can I walk down there? It's a very steep. You probably have to very cautiously climb down or slide down into this uh, clearing. But yeah, if you wanted to go down there, you absolutely could. Um, I've been playing Zelda and I would just paraglide down with my paraglider <laughs> in Zelda. Uh, but I forgot to bring mine with me to this game. So I guess I'll just <laughs> creep down there slowly, cautiously. And obviously yeah. some spooky monsters pulled me down here. So, yeah. Um, 
And as you're, I mean, as you're kind of looking out, well, let's climb down first. Give me an athletics check. What's athletics? Strength? Mm-hmm. 15. 15. Okay. You slide down. No problem. Um, you might stumble a little bit towards the end uh, and you, you think it's going to be a lot harder to get up than it is to get down. Um, but you do manage to get down to the level that, that they are on and you walk forward. And as you do through some of these animals that some of them turn to look at you and move forward and past a group of deer, you see this same golden figure that you saw before the well. This huge buck, this flowing sash is wrapped around its antlers, flowing down its back, um, and it walks towards you. Um, are you doing anything? Derf says, who are you? Okay. And you hear a response back, and it says your name. It says, Derf. And you hear it almost as if it's coming from all sides of you, all around you, surrounding you. And the second that F hits, right after your name is called, a moonbeam strikes down from the east. And it soars down and lands and hits the ground with a a deafening crack. And all of a sudden, every animal in this clearing starts to scurry away and run and rush away from the clearing. And this golden figure runs along with it, except it trips on a branch that sticks out from the clearing and it falls to the ground and you can see that its leg is caught in between two branches as it cries and cries out for help as the rest of the creatures scurry away. And another moonbeam from the west comes crashing down and they seem to be coming straight for you. Good thing I used my last freedom of movement spell slot five minutes ago. <laughs> um, hang on, I gotta have some kind of... Can I ask the plant nicely to let him go <laughs> with a speak with plants spell? Uh, you can try, sure. I will use speak with plants and say, please, could you uh, could you let my friend here go? I guess roll me a persuasion check. So you're running forward? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Persuasion is charisma. 24. 24? Yep. Holy shit. Uh yeah, immediately, immediately this this matted branch kind of splits apart and this giant buck is free and looks towards you and kind of like nudges its head up as another moonbeam comes crashing down and they're approaching you at a very quick speed and you are in the dead center of this giant clearing. Can I mount him? You can. Let's mount. All right, you rush up onto this buck and it goes running. Um, you're going to take on its kind of speed. So any dexterity saving throw that you make is going to be also made uh, by this this creature. So which direction are you headed? So um, there are three moonbeams now? Yeah, one kind of straight ahead, other ones from either side, left and right coming. They're all kind of converging on your location. At like 90 degrees? Yes. So I'll run 45 degrees, I don't know, to the left. Okay, and they follow. They follow along with you. Just as you move, they seem to be shifting, following your movement. Uh, Give me a dexterity saving throw, your first one. Shouldn't I be making, like, animal handling checks? You could do that, too. Yeah, let's do that. That makes more sense. Okay, well, in that case... What was the first one? uh, That would have been an 18. Uh, Okay. So you dodge that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah, you just... This thing comes straight for you. You hear, like, uh, a jet plane almost come 
right behind you as this thing passes over. The next one's coming straight for you. Roll an handling check. 21. All right, so as you you wind your way through two of these moonbeams, you 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 pick up speed. One soars right behind you. You dodge to the left with this creature just barreling forward as another beam comes from the right, and the one directly in front of you is coming straight for you. So as you've dodged this left and right one, the first one is coming so close to you that you can almost feel the heat from the beam. And roll me another animal handling, but do it with uh, disadvantage. Disadvantage. Fifteen? Yeah. Total? What did you what did you roll? I did rolled roll? a two and then a three. <laughs> and you still got a fifteen. Yeah. Um, alright, so dodging the first two, you're feeling pretty confident, but then that last moonbeam comes and travels straight above you, and this large buck comes to a skidding halt as it turns to the side and you fall. Now you have run so far that you happen to fall just on the inside of the trees avoiding any other moonbeams they frantically search above you but the canopy above is uh, keeping you safe as you see just on the outside of your feet just a few feet away uh, the ground become this this gray mess underneath these, this moonlight and uh, the creature this golden creature that you saw that you were riding that called out your name begins to change as it was hit by this light and you see before you gold swirl around it, this uh, ethereal kind of mist, this golden mist swirl around it, and its form begins to change as the gold dissipates, and the sash disappears along with it. And laying in front of you, in the soil, in the dirt, is a man who looks a lot like you, and he is unconscious. Okay. And he, he's, like, out there. Like, I can't drag him back because he's in a moonbeam. Uh, no, he's he's just on the edge of it. You guys are just on the edge of the forest where it meets the clearing. But uh, what I'm saying is, like, can I walk up to him or is he out in the... No, you room? absolutely can. Okay. You absolutely can. I walk up and check him out. Okay, give me a... Uh, are you trying to heal him or... Why well, I want to look... I want to see more. I want to s- look at him. Okay, give me a uh, history check history. I don't even know what that is. It's intelligence. Uh, 12. 12. Durf, you kind of turn turn his chest over. You get a good look at his face, but you, you know that you recognize him from somewhere. You have seen him either somewhere on your quest or, or somewhere, but you can't really pick out where exactly. Um, okay. I guess I'll use cure wounds on him. See what happens. Okay. All right. So, what does that look like? I just uh, I reach down and touch him, kind of on the shoulders, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some green light comes out of my hands, and I don't know if he's even hurt, but uh, he heals for eleven. Okay. Yeah, you breathe life into this guy. Uh, you reach you reach your hands down onto his shoulders, and this green light surrounds him, and he gets to his feet or he gets to his knees and he looks up at you and you look deep into his eyes and roll me another history check with advantage (laughs) natural 20 natural 20 okay uh you recognize this guy 
immediately once you get a good look at his open eyes as he looks at you. Um, the very same green eyes that you have. And he seems to recognize you somehow in the same way. And he grabs your face and with a loving cup of his hand, he says, Durf, Durf, my son. Whoa. Okay. Last but not least, certainly not least, I want to give a special shout out to our $5 or more patrons. These are people that donate to the show. You can get on this list by going to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern. Team Eugene, Metal Minister, Daniel Miles, Jaeger, Eric Sinat, Joshua McKee, Ed Sidall, Petey, Jason Colliver, James Wynn, William Martin, Pete Achilles, Andrew Fontanat, Fantastic, John C. Davies, Michael Schuler, Ray Lang, Ursula Bertea, Targat, William Cornish, Adair Bristow, Cody Irwin, Henry Strong, Lady Magesire, James Kendall, Shepard Tiberius, Anderson Martins, Jimmy the Penguin, Austin Pence, Derek Norman, Tim Searle, Liquor Locker, Jacqueline Green, Kensworth Slater, Sabrija Emma Spring, Joshua Ald, Oyabun, Ryan Corbin, Torben Schwarz, JJ Holler, Chris Harrison, Tucker Barkley, Pat Manads, Seth M. Harrison, Kevin DeHart, Thomas Sanchez, Matthew Watson, Jesse Jones, David Barron, Dan McStockerson, jo- Jason Britman, Joshua Modsinger, Nicole Chapin, Ian Coughlin, William Martin, Dice Quest Podcast, aka Jack, Nick Vukalich, Vitaly Vasilyuk, and Adam Hoffling. Thank you all so much for what you do for the show and support us uh, through this all. So thank you all and uh, have a good one.